And hello and welcome to A Course in Miracles with Miracles One. And this is uh, Reverend Deb Phelps. And along with me today is Gail Bartlett. Reverend Gail Bartlett, I should say, because you are one of our ministers. So welcome, Gail. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, you know, we, we were just talking right beforehand. And within the last 24 hours, I kind of was inspired with a topic uh, coming from a lot of sources <laughs> that kind of uh, brought it all together together. Uh, to this point uh, to talk about dialogue and I'm actually going to call it the art of the dialogue. <laughs> it's our, is our episode this week. And I'll tell you what was some of the inspirations that I had. And one of them was uh, observing and, and watching the president's uh, trip to Europe. Uh, so being objective about it, not agreeing with how some of it went, uh, but also, you know, thinking about how important it is to build bridges, you know, and, and to take down the walls that we keep between ourselves, uh, one and another, whether it's countries or, you know, individuals, that sort of thing. So I had an experience the other day where uh, I, I was talking to, I was actually talking to Paul and I could tell, you know, he, he's coming to the end of these six weeks that he's been away, you know, for training and, you know, he's kind of tired of being, you know, away and he's getting kind of grumpy <laughs> sort of thing. And, and he comes home in two days from the time we're recording this and, and he started to get kind of, you know, nitpicky and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I just, I didn't do anything. You know, really, except I listened. I listened to what he had to say. I didn't agree with him and <laughs> what he had to say, of course. But I, I know from uh, my practice of meditation and, you know, this, this past six months, I've been really working harder, you know, or not, I don't know, working harder, but more dedicated, I'll say, to that practice of mindfulness meditation. And I know that I can just be an observer to whatever's going on. I don't have to agree, like I said. I, I don't have to support it. Uh, I can remain at peace no matter what. And so I, I said that. I, I said, well, I can understand what you feel, and but I'm going to choose peace right now in, in this moment, something to that effect. And he didn't really agree with me <laughs> all that much on that idea. But I understood where he was, you know, I, I was trying to be compassionate, you know, that whole idea of loving kindness. And, you know, we, we had a whole class about, well, we had two classes on kindness earlier this year. And thinking about that, just being kind, it's like, okay, you know, I didn't have to state my point, you know, or have righteous anger or anything like that. I could just let it be, let it go. So it turns out a couple of hours later, he called me and he said, well, you know, I, hey, I just want to apologize for how I was earlier and what I said. I realized that, you know, that's not where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do uh, or say. And uh, I just want to, I'm, I'm tired and I'm cranky and I want to come home, <laughs> right? Very things that I believe that was going on by having that compassion. And, uh, and so then we had a little more dialogue, you know, about that and how important peace is and et cetera. And it just was a great example of how we can handle ourselves in a situation. You know, we're, we're practicing this course, we're reading it, we're studying it, we're joining with others. But, you know, when it comes down to situations like this, that's when we really need to put it together 
and use what we are learning. And, and then another piece that came in uh, was, so, so those are two of the pieces. The other piece is, is that I've been uh, reconnecting with material from the first course teacher that I saw in person, which was Tara Singh. Now, most people probably have never heard of Tara Singh, and maybe some of us who have been around a little bit longer have, because he, he was a very quiet teacher in that. And I didn't realize until within the last six months how much that I appreciated his teaching at the time and the books that I read and the cassette tapes <laughs> and CDs and things like that, that that I would listen to of his. And it was because of a friend mentioning him not too long ago that I kind of got reconnected in his work. And so one of the books uh, that, that I rebought, uh, I've also been watching some of the DVDs of uh, um, the Joseph Plan Foundation is his foundation. He, he um, passed 10 years ago or so, but they still have a lot of his materials and you can get it on Kindle and that. But this one uh, is called Dialogues on a Course of Miracles. And so he talks about the idea of dialogues. I'm just going to read a little bit about that and then Gail and I will have a dialogue, <laughs> uh, so to speak. So he says, uh, well, this particular book is consisting of dialogues. Objective thinking has very little meaning for us today, but what we call dialogue must be objective and impersonal. Feelings and beliefs have no place in it. There are many questions to be asked. Nothing delights a teacher more than seeing a thoughtful through to the end, a thought through to the end, yeah, seeing a thought through to the end, and thus be free to the part of the impersonal intelligence of love. Dialogue is the best form of undoing. It is not a learning, but an awakening. One discovers that the attention one gives is what intensifies itself and liberates man from bondage and dependence. Inherit in man is an unwillingness to be awakened. Even the preoccupation with learning becomes a distraction, an evasion. During the four years we discovered, now I'll just kind of fill you in, they, they spent four years studying the course. Anybody who wanted to come, they did it free of charge, and they did it. They did one year, and then I think 100 people participated. I'm not sure if it was 100 people, and, and then it dropped down to about 40 for the following three years, and they met every single day seven in the morning, seven at night, and they studied and dialogued on the course. Sometimes there were spontaneous groups during the day or one-on-ones, that sort of thing. So that's what that means by the four years. So during those years, uh, and this has gone back to the 80s uh, when, he, when he was doing this, I believe. It was either the 80s or the early 90s, probably the 80s. Anyway, uh, they discovered that resistance to undoing prevents the student from bringing the course into application. Well, we talk about that all the time. Uh, you know, I, I do from teaching perspective and these podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So then he goes on, he says, we even deceive ourselves with a willingness which exists at the periphery of unwillingness. Even in an ideal atmosphere, the inherent unwillingness finds a way to remain intact. 
So during this time, we read the course and daily on the hour or the half hour, trying to recall the lesson to remembrance. But everything at the physical and conscious level becomes habit. The function, oops, no, sorry, the function of the course, however, with its frequent practice periods, is to break through the ritual of habit to which we are subject and by which we live. The course questions and awakens one from the delirium of a habit-bound routine life by offering the holy instant. It has been our experience that dialogue is the best means to arouse interest and attention. To see the fallacy of abstract thought and come to objective thinking, the student must participate. It is insight that breaks through conventional thought, and it is the attention that one gives which invokes insight or the holy instant. But to bring the student to dialogue where he acts on his own energy is arduous. In the classes when dialogues took place, we did not accept answers as truth or opinions as valid. Discrimination heightened. Exactness and precision were insisted upon. We had to confront the intrigue of passive listening, for the classes were not meant to be lectures. The belief in learning with which we are so heavily conditioned makes dialogue difficult. Serious dialogue has the vitality to see that knowledge as we know it is only the definition of thought and ideas that as long as results are sought, one is limited by conclusions and that truth and love are intrinsic and independent. Dialogue is a miraculous event upon the planet. For where two or more meet in his name, where he will be in the midst. It can only be between two people or a small group who have dedicated their lives to be consistent with the will of God. Dialogue is self-inquiry. It is not analysis, for analysis rests on conclusions and is limited to the isolation of personality. Analysis is words, not truth. Its phraseology evades the light. We hide behind our feelings and reactions and limit ourselves to cause and effect while well, each lesson of the Course sets us free of duality. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is free of words and extends the stillness of the peace of God. He will not let us escape into memory. The Holy Instant empties the human brain of insecurity, pain, loneliness, and its isolation. In dialogue, the boundlessness of love and gratitude transpires through each cell. Its peace is blessed and we are eternally healed, no longer detached from the universal mind. It is rightness that makes life meaningful. The Course in Miracles is absolute knowledge. It takes away the need of having a guru, for you can establish a direct relationship with it. An authentic encounter is most blessed. Its action does not end, irrespective of how and what one feels. Each lesson of A Course in Miracles provides the space, letting the stillness within the student work. Wow. <laughs> All right. Beautiful piece from this uh, book uh, by Tara Singh and as I said, you know, he was the first teacher that I saw in person. I mean, I do have other teachers that I appreciate, certainly that, you know, that I, as I was coming up, you know, 
coming to the course in the early 90s, you know, John Monday, Carol Howe, Marianne Williamson, et cetera. But Tara was the first one that I saw in person. And, and he, there was such a presence about him that was truly unique to anyone that I have met since. Course teacher-wise, course student-wise. And opening up to the dialogue, as a teacher, he had to have such confidence within himself that he could open that up and allow anyone to share from their personal experience and then to help midwife them through that as well, through that process. So those are some thoughts that I had. And, and Gail, certainly I want to invite you into the dialogue as well. Well, good Lord. I was listening as attentively as I know how to, and uh, there was a lot of meat in what you read, and I can't remember. Obviously, I wasn't reading it, um, and I wasn't reading along with you, so I don't remember specifically what you said, other than as as you were talking, Rev Deb, I thought a lot about your own ministry and how you talk so much about not being that guru, if you will, and encouraging your students, including me, to share our perspective, whatever it may be. And I don't know that there's at least a forum in my life in my circle of family, friends, um, we own a business, and in our business, where uh, that dialogue takes place. And where Tara said something about um, personality. And when I think about my own attachment to my personality, to who, who I see as me, as Gail Bartlett, um, and all the roles that I play in my life, Rev Deb, um, I, I am trying to go more deeply within. And he said something else about beliefs. You, you can't have beliefs. And there was another word he used. I don't know what it was. If you're going to dialogue, you really have to be willing. I have to be willing. Let me speak for me to let go of my attachment to any beliefs that I have that will keep me separate, that will keep me in division mode, in conflict mode. Yeah. And, and when I have a conversation with Bill, my husband, as you do with Paul, and by the way, I thought, I thought that example was really beautiful because how many of us are able to do that when someone is grumpy or irritable or um, seemingly attacking us, mm -hmm. it's especially in a significant relationship with someone with whom you live. Um, at least that's what I found to be the case. It's certainly not an exclusive club, if you will, of only people who are married or with a significant other can can apply this as Rev Deb did. That's not at all what I'm saying. But that was a really powerful example that you chose not to be a victim. 
And I think that's what Tara Singh is really saying, that when we have, and, and I could be wrong in interpreting this, but I can only speak from my experience. If I have a belief that differs from anyone's, I'm attached to it and I'll argue it, even if it's just in my own mind. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to say, since this is a dialogue between you and me, is Trump and his trip to Europe and his return and all this brouhaha about his son-in-law lately, which is everywhere. It's on the internet, it's in the newspaper, it's on the news, and his relationship in the back door, if you will, with Russia. It is so easy to remain in a state of separation in my own mind, even if I don't express those opinions. And so going back to Tara Singh and your rich experience in the, in the 80s or the early 90s, there's been a, a proliferation, to the best of my knowledge, and you know this better than myself because you participated, you and Rev Paul and others, and over many years, and of course in miracle conferences where many different ministries converge in one location in the country. And uh, I, I think that's what Tara Singh represented to you was a purity and an innocence um, and a commitment and a dedication to doing that over four years and allowing anyone to come in and um, find his or her own innocence and and accept the undoing. You know, you may want to, and that's all I have to say at the moment, you may want to talk a little bit about what he said about undoing and how the only way undoing can take place because that was really rich, and I don't remember how he said it. I'm done. Right, yeah, and um, everyone who's listening, uh, I'll also uh, take this excerpt and I'll, I'll put it on the blog um, with, with this audio too, that way. Uh, you can read the excerpt too. It's it's not. It wasn't really all that long. Uh, it just seems that way <laughs> from our perspective, right? Because there it was so rich. Um, but it, it is the dialogue is the undoing process because the dialogue is being open minded. It's opening ourselves up. We don't know instead of staying stuck and building that wall mm -hmm. and saying, "Yeah, I know what the answer is," or "I know how to practice the course," or. I know what this lesson means or whatever, whatever that comes to mind. I know how this person operates or whatever, but by being open-minded and being open to our hearts and to our minds, well, now we can do something different. You know, we're experiencing something different in that way. And as he says it, it's when we give this attention to the dialogue, we're learning and we're awakening and, and that's where the liberation comes in. We're no longer dependent on that belief, that ego belief system that, that says I'm, I'm right and what I believe. And then he also says that, well, there, we all have within us that unwillingness to be awakened, right? Course tells us that. There's a part of us that does not want to wake up. But then there's another part of us that wants to wake up, that wants to know the love of God, that wants his embrace. And that's the part that we need to tap into. 
right? We, uh, we all have that light within us. Even those that we do not agree with, do not like, whoever that may be, if it's Trump for you, whoever, we all have that light within us. We are all one. Then he, he was going on and he was saying, well, we can get caught in the whole idea of learning the traditional way, right? I have to pre produce results, right? I have to, and I've known people, you know, all the years, you know, I've been teaching and studying the course. I've known people who were like, well, you know, I got to learn this course. You know, I've got to know what it says in chapter one, then two, then three, then four, and I got to get all these lessons perfectly. You know, or you meet people who say, oh, yeah, I've read that course. <laughs> it's one thing to read it. It's another to, okay, open up. Okay, now I can look at, okay, look at those dark thoughts that come to mind when I'm watching the TV screen or I am in a conversation with a significant other and I'll tell you, those places are great opportunities for forgiveness and for our practice. <laughs> we can sit in a study group and we're all, oh, this is wonderful. We agree. And, uh, but it's those people that we live with every day. Those are our co-students in the classroom. Those are the ones we're learning from, right? if we so choose. And so, okay, so here's the piece he said, it's this preoccupation with the learning and that's when there's a distraction and you know, we're kind of bobbing and weaving, trying to avoid awakening. And then he says, well, the resistance to undoing prevents the student from bringing the course into application. Well, I don't have enough time. You know, we're, we've heard that at the beginning of uh, the current class that we're doing right now, meditation in the Course of Miracles. Well, you know, those are some concerns people have because in the past, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do meditation. I don't have time to do the workbook lesson. But then as we're seeing in the email forum, well, all of a sudden people are, well, they were inspired by the first class dialogue that we had, those who were, who were at the live session, and I know some people are, are uh, enrolled and they're watching the uh, video and then participating in the email forum, and we're going to be opening up sharing circles as well uh, to further this dialogue, because that is what is important, is opening up and looking at, okay, yeah, I want to change, but just reading about the change or coming in a group and saying, yeah, I want the change. <laughs> now I have to do something about it. I have to do something. And then it always goes back to what I say is how much is the peace of mind worth to me? How much is the happiness worth to me? You know, I've been doing this course for a long time. But it was really in these last six months where I took it a step deeper. I really wanted that. I wanted to be able to not be rattled because I was rattled, you know, here and there by the election and, and all that process. And it's like, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be triggered. It's like, no. And so what happened was, okay, 
I've done a lot. Of, he talked about self-inquiry. Well, I do that a lot. And sometimes in my writing on the blog, you'll see I'll be posting questions, you know, and then I'll write something, you know, and then I'll write something more. And then I'll, you know, here's some more questions to think about because I like looking at that. Okay, well, why am I doing this? Not that I have to go in and analyze it and figure it out, but the sense that I'm being aware of what's going on. And so having that dialogue with someone else within a group, we kind of give voice to that, voice to that willingness that we want to arrive at a different point than we've kind of been stuck in that groove where we are. So it's our own resistance that prevents us from really embracing what we truly want, what we've been seeking, why we came to this course to begin with. So we say we're willing, and that's what he's saying here. We say that we're willing. There's a, yeah, yeah, I'm willing. I'm here in a study group. I get a book. I'm willing. I, I want to make changes. Well, how serious are you about those changes? Do you just show up to your study group once a week and, you know, the book kind of sits on the shelf and, until study group time? Do you forget to bring your book to your study group meeting? Do you spend time working through the workbook? We have to look at our priorities. What's important to us? Is getting on Facebook first thing our priority? Picking up that smartphone? Hey, I'm a techie. I've got phones and tablets and computers all over the house. I have a tablet in every room of my house. I even have an old Kindle that I take out in the sauna I did last night. <laughs> it's like, I'm connected all the time. Ah, but is it really the internet that I want to be connected to all the time? Or is it God that I want to advance that connection even more? And to me, it's God. I don't pick up that. Well, I did pick it up. I, I, I awoke at 4.30 and I saw Gail's email from last night. <laughs> so I did, but I was planning on going back to sleep, which I did try for about 45 minutes. And then I decided to get up and do my meditation. Usually I just get up and I, and I go do my, well, feed the cats. Sometimes I have to feed the cats because they're too loud and they're hungry. <laughs> the poor little guys, the girls. <laughs> but that having that time for meditation, having that time for my practice or reading, you know, additionally, a little bit later, I do the meditation, then I come out and I, and I journal a little bit about it, and then I do some reading. And then I'll go on Facebook and, and do all that other jazz. Because that's what's worth more to me, the priority. So it's looking at our priorities. So join the dialogue, you know. <laughs> well, you've covered a lot. <laughs> um, You've said so many different things. Um, I'm trying to remember everything that you said, but but what you just said was very powerful. And that is, when I think about even superficially how I've spent my time in the past, it's just amazing to me how easily distracted I've been and haven't made meditating 
or silent silence a priority. And I'm very much aware, since I work with you pretty closely, of the commitment you've made in the last six months. And what amazes me about that, Rev Deb, because you still have clients for whom you work, and a husband, and three daughters, one of whom lives at home, um, an active ministry, is the productivity that you generate for me, it's even greater than it was before. And even though the material that you sent forth was very rich before, so I don't want to give you the impression that it sucked before and now it's phenomenal, but the, <laughs> the 40, 40 days of Lessons in Light, for example, which I think you're going to make into a book. Oh, the Easter, the, the light, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal, uh, very powerful, short and sweet every single day, the personal sharing and so forth. I, I think that that's proof positive to me that making the practice a priority does work. Now, that's not why you did it. That's not why you deepened your meditation practice and making it a priority. But I really do think, uh, so that was number one. The second point, I have to say, if I'm totally honest with myself, and of course with you and your audience, when I first started to work with you, I don't know, many years ago, it was after 2005, so it may have been 2006, doesn't matter. Who cares how many years it's been? I know that when I entered the ministerial program that I wanted to do the best, to be the best, to shine, that's the way I was programmed throughout my entire life. To learning, yeah, yeah. Um, to dissect the text, to uh, ritualistic, ritualistically practice the workbook lessons, um, get my homework done, be as eloquent as I knew how to be. I mean, I and I'm I am not berating myself. That's where I was. That is where I was. I've been easily able to quote from lessons. Well, Mary and I read it every day for years. So, I mean, I would hope I can, I know them a little bit, but that's beside the point. The, the point is my thrust, and because my thrust was on learning the way I had been taught to learn or programmed to learn or wanted to learn, it was my will or my wish to learn that way, I encountered a lot of resistance. And I can remember reading sections of the text. They may as well have been written in Swahili. I swear to God, because I wasn't earnest about getting what you have preached, not preached, encouraged, for years to get one sentence or one small paragraph that we can apply on a daily basis. So I find over time, because there's so much fear for me, and experiencing the love of God and being able, to your point about Rev. Paul and your dialogue, your dialogue at the end of what could have been a debacle, what could have been more conflict, what could have been, oh, my God, my husband's coming home in a week. I want to kill him or he is being impossible. So it, it really, to dialogue, we have to be willing, my perspective, to relinquish judgment and today's lesson, Rev Deb, and I didn't read it. I listened to it. Mary read it. 
just real quickly if I can find it. It's yeah, as you're finding that, I'll just I'll just let people know that we have a daily workbook lesson practice call that uh, Gail and Mary uh, read the lesson uh, each day. So it looks like you found it. I did. Okay, so I've, I've got to read this because it's it's so rich and it kind of it it does validate what Tara Singh has said that you've read. You do not seem to doubt the world you see. You do not really question what is shown you through the body's eyes, nor do you ask why you believe it, even though you learned a long while since your senses do deceive, that you believe them to the last detail which they report as even stranger. When you pause to recollect how frequently they have been faulty witnesses indeed, why would you trust them so implicitly? Why but because of underlying doubt which you would hide with show of certainty? How can you judge? Your judgment rests upon the witness that your senses offer you, yet witness never false or was this was than this. But how else do you judge the world you see? You place pathetic faith in what your eyes and ears report. You think your fingers touch reality and close upon the truth. This is awareness that you understand and think more real than what is witnessed to by the eternal voice for God himself. And then he goes on, can this be judgment and so forth? And I... I, when Mary was reading that, and I had read it before I made the call, I thought, I do believe what the ego communicates to me, hook, line, and sinker. And I am, whereas you demonstrated that you were aligned with the Holy Spirit with that when Rev. Paul was being a, a grumpagale, um, that's <laughs> such a good example, and I, I keep referencing it because I've been married for decades, and I can relate to that so beautifully. And I have to fight feeling victimized or emotionally abused at times. When I read that, I thought, because I wasn't trying to learn it the way I've always tried to learn it, it came across more clearly. I was able to receive it and not make it so hard, and not, the ego wasn't raucously shrieking in my ear, because as you said, Rev Deb, open-mindedness, being open-minded. The last thing I, I really want to say, which you talk about a lot, because I was doing my yoga practice yesterday, and I was really struggling, and I thought, oh my God, Rev Deb keeps saying, just have a beginner's mind. Just whether you've done it a thousand days or 10 days or two days or 100,000 days, every Zen or Buddhist I've read, in addition to what Rev Deb says, has said, go into every meditation or your A Course in Miracles practice with a completely open mind and not relying on what you think you've learned. And I know that was very long-winded, and I said it with a lot of passion because that reading triggered so much within me that I brought out of darkness into the light. I'm done. Well, <clears throat> it's not so much the you know open-minded, it's being present is what it is. I mean, it, being open-minded, yes, of course, but it's being present. I'm here now. I'm not in... You know, in my case, you know, 38 years of meditation practice, 25 plus years, of course. Who cares? Who cares? It's no big deal. I'm here, right here, right now, because I can only do one thing at a time. 
I can only have one thought at a time. So here I am. I come to the cushion. I come to my yoga practice. I come to the course practice, whatever it is. I come to that moment. Here I am, Lord. Right? goes back to that wonderful uh, gift that Jesus gave Bill Thetford. You know, use this. Here I am, Lord. And that is opening that invitation so that now something can come through and that you can receive. If you're always focused on, I need to learn this, I need to figure it out, I'm not open to receive. I'm giving a lot of energy towards it. But the thing is, when we stop trying so hard and we receive, that's when we're going to understand the Course. That's when we're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Is when I stop trying to make it something that I think it should be. Right? Too many times we're passive. That's what he was talking about. We're, we're passive listeners. We keep saying we want this. But we're not active listening. We're not really listening for that. We're not listening in our relationships. We're not listening when we're on Facebook. I mean, as you know, a lot of trolls on the internet where they'll just say whatever they want because they think it's anonymous. You know, kids have been bullied upon and, you know, my daughter a few years ago was subject to that too. But the thing is, is when I can become present to what's going on within me, and I remember that everything I see out there is just a reflection of my own mind, that's where I can make the difference. So it's not about what someone else says or does. It's about what am I thinking about within my own mind? Because had I not been at peace, because I've been busy too. I, I have a project I have to finish today. You know, last day of the month, I have to have projects done. You know, I can make that <laughs> decision, um, you know, to be unhappy, to be stressed, to be anxious. Gotta get it done. <laughs> right? So I could have reacted. A lot of my life, I reacted to, to life. I didn't actually live it. And that's the difference, right? We want to live our life. And this is why, you know, I call one of our classes I have for many years, Living a Course of Miracles. We're living this course. Breathing, you know, let your life be a living meditation. I talked about that in the meditation class. What is living but the in and the out, right? The breathing and uh, the meditation that I've been using. Um, you know, I, I've done all kinds of types of meditation over the years, but um, mindfulness meditation where you're just focused on the breath and that's it. And I had a wonderful meditation this morning and I could feel the thoughts go by as I told somebody in uh, the email group for the class, lesson 10. Watch it go by like a parade. 
We don't have to attach to it. Just like any situation, experience, conversation, email, et cetera, that we receive, I can watch it like a parade going by. I don't have to jump on the float. And I can be at peace. So don't be passive in your study. Get active. If you really want this peace, dedicate yourself to it. Dedicate yourself to the practice. And dialogue, I mean, the last part that he says here, and I know we're going to have to wrap up soon, but, you know, the, it's that meeting together, you and I doing this together today, or in the study groups and the classes, and someone wrote, someone who was new in our, in our uh, class, who hasn't been in one of our classes before, one of the first emails they wrote was how inspired they were by being in the group, because there's a lot of, I know, I know, what it can be like. I've heard this from people in different study groups where all we do is argue about what's in the text or we, uh, you know, it, it becomes a uh, one-upmanship or whatever it may turn into. It becomes an unpleasant experience sometimes for people. But this person appreciated the non-judgment and the love and the support and, and, really doesn't matter what we share, whether it's our study groups or our classes, whatever. It's the personal experience that really matters. And so this summer, we're going to have a series, too, um, enhancing your Course in Miracles practice based on my, uh, the blog series I've been doing from time to time. And that's what I want to do is dialogue about these things. But before I go into all that, I want to give you a chance to dialogue a little bit more before we close up today. Well, yeah, I, I kind of, unless you correct me, as you were talking, you said a couple of really wonderful things. The one that came to mind just a minute ago was presence, being present. And yesterday I, I struggled so terribly. I was just so exhausted and I, didn't feel like doing any of the physical exercises and didn't. And I did some deep relaxation with the gong and um, did a lot of alternative, um, alternate nostril breathing and so forth. Deep breathing and, and, and breath of fire, which is part of Kundalini yoga. And I thought, okay, don't try to get anywhere. Just don't try to get anywhere. Number one. Number two, as you were talking, I think we're coming up to a lesson. I could be wrong. I will step back and let him lead the way. I could be wrong about that. And as you were talking, I was thinking, how often have I tried to direct my own practice? How often have I determined what I'm going to read that's course-related? Maybe it's another booklet from Ken Wapnick or one of your books, which, which I've read before, or believing that that may be it that will enable me to experience peace. And there was another posting. Um, one of one of your students, Rev Deb, responded, you had the random reading day for the Lessons in Light, I believe, forum, or for one of the... Oh, it's the main... It's the main... The main forum. And she had chosen Lesson 189. I, I feel the love of God within me now. I think that's the way it goes. 
And that's where Jesus says, just put everything on the altar. It's kind of like the holy instant, which is what Tara Singh refers to. It's like, just put it all on the altar and experience the love and peace of God. So the two points I want to reiterate, and I know we need to close soon, is not trying to get anywhere with a meditation practice. There's a Zen monk by the name of Sherry Huber, whose books I read for years, years. I have all her books. And she said, don't label your meditation practice as good or bad. It's a practice. If you can take, if we can take the judgment out of it, which is what Jesus is is admonishing us to do throughout the course of a course of miracles, take the judgment out of it and just experience it, whatever form it may take. I like the parade idea to which you referenced. The other, the last thing I want to say about this Zen monk was she said, which was very powerful, and I'd like to share it with with you, Reb Deb, and the group. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. So if, we, if we're on Facebook and we're scattered and we do our meditation practice and it's scattered and we read the Course of Mir- A Course in Miracles and it's scattered or we make dinner and we've got the radio on or the TV on or whatever and we're engaged with not liking Trump or liking Trump or whatever the case may be, how you do anything in the course of the day is how you do everything, which is deeply profound. It's, it's really... It's very rich stuff. So I, I, I think we just continue to dialogue, and I can dialogue with you with total intimacy and honesty and integrity because I trust you, and I know that you're not in judgment. There is nothing better in the whole world than communion, and that's what, we're, that's what dialoguing means. It's communing heart to heart, mind to mind. I'm done. Wow, beautifully said beautifully said and um you know you were talking about that you know if you're scattered over here over there you know and all all you do well that's where you're living you're living in a scattered mind and so everything you do is scattered but when you start living from a more peaceful mind then everything you do is peaceful i have found more focus and more concentration because of what I'm doing, you know, if I, if I start to get, I have, um, I'm taking a class since I am a web designer, I'm taking a class in multimedia design and I'm really stretching on a few things cause I've never done this one software, um, in animations and that. And, and I have two projects left still that are due today midnight <laughs> to close the class out and this week i since memorial day i've been working on it and working on all these different projects that i had to get done you know because uh, ran into losing time over the retreat and, and that sort of thing to work on it but as i'm present to each one and i also said to myself i told paul this too i said you know what if i don't get them all completed it's okay you know, is it really that important that I get an A on every single project? And I have so far. <laughs> is it really that important? And it's not. It's not important. What's important is I'm embracing what I'm learning. The fact that I'm doing these things that I haven't done before. 
and I've been successful. And sometimes I haven't been as successful. And one project I sent in and I told the professor, I said, you know, at some of this coding I was doing, I couldn't find my mistake. He gave me, he gave me a 90%, which is an A anyway. I'm like, well, wow. <laughs> because I try, I guess because I try to do the work, you know. And that's the thing. We don't have to say it's an A or a B or a C or a D, you know. It's not a good meditation. It's not a bad meditation. It just is. Sometimes we're going to have, oh, just these wonderful experiences. And sometimes we're going to actively be fighting the monkey, right, in our mind. That's what happens. It's all a lesson. That's the thing. People think they pick up this Course in Miracles and it's like, oh, my life is going to be saved now. Watch out. Hold on to your corsets, girls and boys. <laughs> I used to say that to my girls if I'm going around a corner, like, hold on to your corsets. And they look at me like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> anyway, it's like, hold on. Because now the real work begins. We're still going to have situations that come up. I was going to say challenges, but they're only a challenge if I think they are. Right? It just is. And see, if we can be in this present moment, what a difference it makes. So the dialogue shall continue. And, and as I was speaking earlier, our summer series, Enhancing Your Course in Miracles Practice, is going to be eight weeks of one-hour sessions where we're going to dialogue on different things. I was kind of jotting down some ideas that I had. Uh, like, I know forgiveness. People want to talk about forgiveness, resistance, um, perseverance, you know, those sorts of things. But each week will be a dialogue, and uh, anyone's welcome to attend that. And there's some information on the website, but I'll have more out uh, soon. Uh, but that's what's important is opening up. Don't be passive. Be active in doing this course. You want that peace? We got to do what it takes. And that is being present, being calm. And you can do it. So thank you so much, Gail, for joining with me today. And My pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening to us today in our dialogue. And our website for all our free A Course in Miracles resources is www.miraclesone.org. And thank you once again. And as always, I wish you peace. Namaste.